Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 8, Incidental Episode. Kai Krumbar, True War Stories. Hello there, everybody. Welcome along to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name's Leonard Sultana, and this is where we talk convention culture, comics, television, films, pop culture, all the things that we get to enjoy at conventions when they happen, uh, which uh, is a bit of a uh, downside for uh, many creators because conventions are a great um, leveller. They're a, a fantastic platform for uh, people to get out there and showcase um, some amazing work. Nowadays, I think the, the best way for people to get their work out to an audience is through Kickstarter, through crowdfunding. And that's why um, it's a joy to have, I want to get the second name right. This is the way I used to do the challenge. <laughs> Kai Krumbar. Have I got that right? You nailed it. Wow. Excellent stuff. That's cool. Um, a thank plus. You, excellent stuff. Thank, uh, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Kai. It's a pleasure to have you along. What I'm actually going to do now is uh, bring in a piece of artwork because... Basically, what we're here to talk about is a very intriguing, powerful, passionate. Um, it's a hell of a project, um, and it is True War Stories, uh, which is a crowdfunding effort, um, which is telling some very, like I say, powerful stories. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, join us and to talk about it. Uh, first things first, I think it's best let's uh, let you do your own introduction. Uh, tell everyone uh, who you are. And um, yeah, a bit of your background, please. All right. Uh, my name is Kai Krumbar. I was in the Army for just under 12 years. And in that time, I deployed to Iraq a couple of times. Um, eventually, I was medically retired, but I was uh, an Arabic linguist while I was in the Army. So basically, I was always the least cool, but sometimes most necessary person there. That's about where that puts you. And uh I have been doing writing and editing at uh, on freelance and then also at the Geekiary uh, before I wrote this, before I started working on this book with Alex DeCampi, who I met actually at Comic-Con. Wow. Yeah, several years ago. Um, we were couch crashing at the same friend's place. <laughs> it's funny how that works, isn't it? It's always great it to make friends that way. Yeah. Um, it was actually uh, Chris Cornish who runs Comic Squee podcast. I think she had Alex there as a guest that week. So when it comes to your interest in comics, like you say, you're a writer. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing that's prose, um, fiction, nonfiction. I feel like being a writer is sort of one of those things like being an actor. You know, I do other things. Oh, but I'm also a writer. So I, I do write professionally a lot in the uh, web content space, as well as uh, about fandoms and things like that for the Geekiary. I have my own projects I'm working on, uh, but because so much of my life has been military and then kind of recovering from the military, it, it puts you a little bit behind, a little bit in your civilian life. Um, I think what I was um, kind of uh, trying to ascertain is um, how your writing um, has translated into Ooh comic writing and the creating of the book because um the, i mean the one thing that we can talk about 
uh, a little bit down the line, and I have got it saved uh, in my little slideshow presentation, is that you've actually written a story for this particular uh, project. But we'll start with the actual um, the kernel of the project uh, first, no pun intended, in terms of how it kind of started to come together. I mean, the actual idea for True War Stories, and uh, you, you explain it in your uh, the Kickstarter video, is that people who are deployed in the military, they all uniformly, and another pun not intended, I do apologize. Uh, <laughs> They're just gonna that, keep coming. That's gonna I, be I can like imagine, yeah, yeah. Um, is that uh, there's this uh, a real uh, commonality of people do come back with stories. And to have this project come together, uh, I mean, how long has it been uh, kind of gestating? How long has it been bubbling away? Uh, it's been, I want to say, I want to say about three years. It may have been four years since we first started talking about it. Um, w the very first tiny kernel of True War Stories was that I I met Alex at our friend's house where we were staying, and we were talking, and I just felt really comfortable with her. And in a way I don't usually do with civilians, I shared one of my war stories. And it's the story that eventually would go on to become uh, Rebels of Macadamia, which is my contribution. I say that it is about fighting rats for cookies, but it's really about trying to make war small and manageable and approachable in a way that um, young people out in the world for almost the first time in their lives can handle. Uh, so I tell her this story and I get done and we're kind of laughing because it's funny. And she says, you know, I've, I've always wanted to write an anthology of war stories. And I laughed and I said, yeah, you know, but like people don't really want to hear war stories. They want to hear like the cool stories. They want to hear, you know, I was crawling through the mud and there's rockets going overhead. And they want to hear like the stories that kind of frame things the way that they expect them to be framed. They don't want to hear the stories about, you know, these rats are stealing my cookies or, uh, I'm just really bored up here on guard duty or um, we have a, a story in here, Zero K, which is about a sniper who a sniper who's trying to deal with a shot he never took. Um, people don't I, I didn't really think people wanted to hear those stories, but Alex did. And a little while after we talked at Comic-Con, we all you know, we kind of go our separate ways. I've told that story a few times before. Nothing really ever came of it. People were kind of interested, but kind of just let it go. Um, she reached back out and she said, hey, what if we actually make this book? And I said, yeah, you know, sure. Who's going to buy it? And she said, no, really, like someone's going to buy this book. This is a good story. So working together, uh, we worked on the script for Rebels of Macadamia. And we worked with uh, Jeff McComsey and Decon Left did an eight page, did a little eight page sample, the first eight pages. And we used that sample to pitch the book. And at first we had a lot of interest. Um, it stalled out a few places that it didn't really want to stall out. Uh, we had a, I want to say, I don't know if this is indiscreet. We had a financially better offer at another publisher, but the problem is they didn't want to give us an advance. And Alex and I feel very strongly that artists need to be paid. Like they shouldn't do art on spec. I know that that's how it's done in some places. You do art and you get, I don't know, money on the back end or once the book sells. But we wanted to pay our artists up front so that, you know, everyone actually can live and pay their bills. So we ended up with Z2, who are I'm probably spoiled for working in comics forever, working with Z2 and working with Alex as my co-editor, because this has been just a smooth, really responsive, really supportive process. And 
now it's kind of culminating in three days into our Kickstarter, having three quarters of our goal already reached. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into the actual. Um, right. We'll get into the Kickstarter element uh, of it uh, in a, in a bit, um, because I mean, it's just the project itself which absolutely uh, appeals to me. Because I mean, the, you were talking there about um, how you felt that people may want to hear the big bombastic stories. They want to hear the the. the American sniper stories, as it were. But, I mean, Solicitous Meg, I think, pretty much wraps it up the best way um, you can. It's You're talking about your role uh, on deployment. Least cool, perhaps, but most necessary. It sounds like you are defining every nerd on the planet. I know it defines me, and I don't just think that because of my raging narcissism. <laughs> okay, I, we'll leave that one there. We'll let that hang. That's fine, uh, Solicitous Meg. I think that's looking through the Kickstarter and the stories that you're... Um, putting into the into this into uh, from what I've seen, they aren't necessarily the the big kind of uh, the zero dark thirties, the the big action no. kind of pieces. They're the small intimate stories, the personal stories, and I like, think that's what really lends itself to this project. In terms of the talent pool as well that you've pulled in, whoa, um, good lord, uh, that's um, it's a hell of a roster. <laughs> Um, if you can just kind of rattle off some names off the top of your head, perhaps. Uh, oh, put me right on there. I know. Uh, you, you are, right on you are, there. No, you are aware that the first five people are your chosen favourites and the rest of them, they don't really matter. Uh, no. Fair. No, no. Uh, I, <laughs> let me just name drop the favourite right off the top. No. Um, I, will say, I will say right now, I do have a favourite story in this book that's not my story. Obviously, mine is my very favourite. I'll say, I'll say my, I shouldn't say my favorite artist, among my favorite artists there and authors working in the books. Uh, I really love Kelly Fitzgerald, love. Um, just the colors are really one of my favorite parts. Uh, we have Peter Krause is working on it. Uh, he pinch hit for us and did a second story. We had one artist that had to drop out for family, life matters, the world is insane right now. And so he came in and pinch hit and did a, a second story for us. And I just... I love his art. I want to stare at it all day. I won't though, because it's so good. It actually makes me feel a little uneasy and I have to like stop looking at it and go hug kittens for a little while. It's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bring up some of the artwork as well and some of the uh, the pieces just so we can all uh, kind of uh, share. Oh, hey. Uh, yeah, no, they, they really, it's, I think, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Kelly uh, Fitzpatrick and that is definitely a, the name that comes up a lot um, through most of the sample pages that you've got up on the Kickstarter. And I quite liked uh, that idea of a uniformity of the, the colour style moving through the book. But Kelly has shifted the style um, of their work throughout for each story and really being very, uh, very respectful of the, the line art and uh, what the, the story requires. So while Kelly's name comes up a lot, um, it's, it's great that there's this real evolution for each story. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. It's it's deep, it's dramatic, it's epic, but that, like I say, that the the while the the representation may be epic, the stories are still very personal. It's about individual um, uh, experiences uh, on deployment. Um, now, these are the ones we tell each other. Like yeah. if you're hanging around sharing war stories, these are the kind of things that we would tell each other. Not necessarily the first one we would tell, you know, your brother-in-law at a barbecue or something. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, this one you have up now, Bomb Convoy. Oh. Ray Patridge is actually Skylar's father, and that is the second father-parent-child team 
in the book. Uh, my dad has a story in the book, and I actually helped oh, him wow. write the script for it, which I have to say uh, was an unexpectedly strong bonding experience. Uh, my dad was in Vietnam, and then I, of course, was in the Iraq War, and we never really talked about what it was like to be at war with each other, even though we both knew from different wars. So Is it kind of like this unsp unspoken uh, thing between the pair of you? You know, it was. We had a. He's actually my stepfather, but I call him my dad because I think he's earned it at this point. Um, I was an absolutely obnoxious teenager, and he really hung in there with us. So we've always had kind of a hard one, kind of just mutual respect. But then after I went in the military, and especially after I came back from Iraq, uh, we we kind of had a, a deeper bond. And I don't think. I really appreciated it until we were working on this book and he started talking about his experiences in Vietnam. And I was like, oh, hey, let's, you know, that's same, same. We're like, we both had that. Oh, I guess this is, you know, those tiny moments of, oh, cool. I guess I died today. That's, that's great. And we just uh, accept that. And I, I, I think about how he greeted me when I got back from Iraq the second time and I was pretty sure I wasn't going back. And I read his story that he contributes in this book, uh, which he, he named My Vietnam Blast, because he has a really weird sense of humor. Um, and I just remember that, that last hug when he knew I was coming back and I wasn't going to go back overseas again, probably, um, and how relieved he was. And it kind of really made me look at him in a different light. So yeah. I even uh, talked to Skylar, but I think that was probably a similar yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, also, we're, uh, we're not just talking about a specific conflict here as well. It is, like you say, we're talking... I mean, it says it on the actual uh, the cover of the book, uh, that it is um, uh, covering uh, tales of a deployment from Vietnam to today. Um, I mean, I'm, what, I mean, other uh, conflicts are featured um, inside this book? So Vietnam... We, you know, we have conflicts, but we also have just, like, theatres. We have somebody who... We have Vietnam, we have, we have somebody who was in, uh, we have a soldier who is in Okinawa. We have some SEALs who were doing training in Haiti. We have um, people in the Philippines. We have people in Afghanistan, just yeah. everywhere. And we have a Navy ship in the middle of the ocean. We have, um, we have basically wherever the armed forces are, we tried to pull stories from there. Uh, it was kind of a conscious choice to not have too many stories from one specific place, just so we could tell more. Uh, and to try to get all the branches. We we somehow missed the Coast Guard, and I feel bad for it. <laughs> uh, we I, realized I, after we got all the stories done, we're looking and we're like, okay, Air Force, I'm... They get left uh, out a lot. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I, I'm really curious about, like I say, these are very personal stories. Uh, and you like you say, these are the stories that they you tell each other. Um, but then that's to translate into actually telling it on a public scale and to tell it as a graphic novel um, and uh, in an anthology. What was it to approach people uh, to tell their stories? Um, was there this sense of relief and the ability to unburden their story and uh, get it out there? Or, I mean, did it take a little bit of persuading? I mean, what was, what was that uh, process like? I think uh, the people I talked to, I can't speak for Alex's approach. I think that uh, having a knowing that half of the team was is a veteran, uh, so you're not just necessarily you're not gonna face the 
civilian, okay, okay, but what's the real cool story? You know that because half the editor team is an army vet. And for me, I think there's like a sense of surprise and maybe, I don't want to say shy sounds too weird of a word. Maybe um, it just seems strange and kind of delightful. There we go. That people want to be interested in the stories that we want to tell over and over again. Uh, again, I know I keep coming back to this, but it just is so surprising and I want to say flattering maybe that civilians might actually want to hear the good stories instead of, you know, the cool stories. We've got uh, Solicitous Meg always asks some good Ooh. questions, uh, does uh, Solicitous Meg. Uh, did you have to turn down any stories? And if so, for what reasons? We had to turn down so many stories. <laughs> Literally, after the Kickstarter got up even, uh, somebody sent us a very cool story about um, an older veteran who had somehow been in three different branches uh, through like a, in, in different conflicts uh, and had been like briefly we kind of looked at it briefly because we were looking at the kicks we were working at working on the campaign had briefly been a pow and just a really cool guy we looked at the timeline and we were kind of like oh how fast could we squeeze this in and make it 16 stories we had to turn down stories because uh they were too similar to other stories there was a few time of that a few times that happened uh, we had to turn down stories that we couldn't entirely verify uh, we did get some funny stories, but um, obviously you you go around a little bit and you know that there are the stories that are kind of like made up that we tell at the BFW Hall. So uh, a few of them didn't quite pass the sniff test. They were cool, but <laughs> maybe uh, not maybe not the best. Yeah. What was the separation of duties, as it were, between yourself and Alex? I mean, was it a case of yourself uh, calling on people you knew perhaps to to get the stories? Um, as part of the roster and Alex with the, her contacts in terms of the actual creative and the uh, the artwork I mean what was the division of um, roles as it were uh, this is actually this is really cool uh, I expected when I came into this a little bit I had the thought in my head that I do I do write you know I have that past at the website where I edit I kind of had a thought that Alex had intended me to just be the military name on the label so that she could say, hey, look, I'm legit. I have a soldier here. And that hasn't really been the case at all. She did use, she did line up the majority of the uh, contributors. Um, she, there, a lot of them you might notice like Charlie Sherpa, a few of them have, they have followings online already. Just, you know, kind of people with a presence in the community, in the comics community who are also veterans. So she lined a few of those up. Um, I brought in a few, obviously I brought in my dad. Alex didn't call my dad. So the division of responsibilities has been, Alex is doing a lot of the industry type things. Yeah. Um, things that require, oh, I, I know how to, she found the publisher. I wrote the original uh, script that we used to pitch and then she pitched. And then uh, we, as scripts have been coming in, she's actually made a point of bringing me in on everything. Like, hey, we need to have the military eyes on everything. And it's actually a good thing that happened. There was a, a few times we had to go all the way back and finish art. Like we would get all the way to colors and realize, no, we messed something up in line. We're going to have to go all the way back and finish it so that it was accurate. I think another question that I've, I've been asking for uh, creatives um, over the course of the summer, because we've been having a lot of people getting into Kickstarter and 
making that connection with fans in that regard. Um, but at the end of the day, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, funds for some people aren't a little uh, accessible. You've also got the idea of a lot of Kickstarters out there. Why did Kickstarter appeal for um, True War Stories as the platform to go to uh, to connect with an audience? Well, it was was a little bit of a decision uh, in the beginning. The reason we went with Kickstarter is that uh, the publishers actually offered to donate all of their profits to charity. Cool. Uh, we have a selection of veterans charities that we kind of picked out amongst ourselves. Um, and because they're doing that, we kind of were like, maybe we could cover the actual hard publishing costs with the Kickstarter. And then that actually like frees up more money we can donate from retail sales. Um, and I think there was also an element of no one's going anywhere. No one's going to like walk into a bookstore and see the book hanging out nicely on a shelf or like a big display poster. So it was also an element of this is a really good way for people to find the book. That makes so sense. Kind of, a, kind of two reasons. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. And also, I think also when it comes to anthologies as well, when you have this amount of roster of talent, when you have it um, on a, a shelf, and you see um, just uh, the the editors' names, perhaps it can sometimes be, it can, can sometimes dilute the the talent stream that's involved. Whereas with a Kickstarter, you've got more time and more space to represent the people that are involved and uh, actually are presenting. Uh, I mean, if I just uh, stop this and bring in uh, the actual Kickstarter page, because uh, then we can uh, also. Uh, go through a number of the names that are, are listed. I mean, here we are. This, 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 is, just in, this is just insane. Isn't it I mean, great? Look at this, look at this. Peter Krauss, uh, Ryan Howe, uh, Skylar Bridge, drawing her own story. Uh, um, Owen um, Maron, Tish Dewan, oh, Owen is great. David Costa, um, A. DiMacco, um, Drew Moss, Josh Hood, PJ Holden, who I'm a big fan of, uh, Chris Peterson, Sam Hart, Jeff McComsey, Paul Williams, and um, who I'm a huge fan of is D. Cunniff. The fact that you got D. Cunniff is, uh, is, is, quite, it a, great? is quite, quite a land. That's that's something else. Matt Sof, Sofie, uh, Kelly Fitzpatrick, Tarsis Cruz, and Aladdin Collar. I mean, that is just... And not even to, to also to mention the, the cover by Richard Johnson, which, uh, which is just uh, an astonishing piece of work in itself. Yeah, just that uh, the talent pool, and I think to to have that the Kickstarter platform, it gives you that time and ability to showcase uh, the, the the people involved. And I am going to go back to the actual pages as well because they are just stunning to look at. So there we go. I mean, this is joint team. Um, Kay Fitzpatrick on uh, colours again. Um, Ian Ishan on the writing. Line art by Chris Peterson. Um, you, you talked about the actual percolating of the project. When it came to actually getting the artwork in and getting the, the actual physical stories together, um, how is that actually completed at this point? Is it actually the book done, done and done, as it were? All of the stories are scripted, and they're all at the very least in um, inks right now. Uh, we right. did have, we have one story that we had to kind of go back. We had, um, I mentioned earlier, we had an artist that had to drop by and Peter Krauss picked up uh, what is the a baton? There we go. Had picked up the <laughs> baton on that one. So that uh, right now everything is at least in uh, inks, and almost everything is lettered. So um, Alex is doing the lettering. So oh whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, I love her lettering. 
She has a, we actually had conversations over what kind of font she was going to use in different panels. It was pretty good. There's a stinky peanut butter font in Rebels that we had a laugh over. <laughs> Fair enough. Just the artwork is just blowing this, me away. <laughs> this whole page, this whole page, uh, we had way, way back when we started, when I was writing my script, one of the first conversations was, um, you can't swear that much in this book. We have to tone back the swear words. Uh, most people in the army, you get issued one of three vices. You get drinking, you get smoking, or you get cursing. And I got cursing. Um, <laughs> it was just the one I, I was issued. I, I, would have, I would have actually thought it was going to be more a case of you get a choice of the first two and the third just comes on just naturally. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, every young soldier goes through a drinking phase. It's just the culture. It's how it happens. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I grew up, you know, I do my drinking in like high class establishments like my kitchen now. So, well, um, in 2020, don't we all? Uh, to, fair. Be fair, to be fair, fair. Uh, okay. something that um, uh, because these are, like I say, very personal stories, but of um, uh, from the platform of war and conflict. Uh, what was your target age range? I'm guessing that was a conversation that happened between yourself and Alex very early on about where you felt um, the audience could be. Could this be going into schools? Could this be something that could uh, uh, be shown and uh, represent uh, for a young audience? Or is it more of a, an all ages? What was that conversation? Um, this was, as you said, this was a very early conversation when we were first doing the Rebel scripts. This was a few years ago. So um, any mistakes I make in this conversation are 100% mine. Uh, I do remember that we talked about when we were talking about the language, what kind of age we wanted to hit. Uh, I think in my life, I have a lot of very savvy, alert, aware, kind of like socially conscious uh, teenage kids. Um, a lot of my younger siblings, I have a niece, Kylie, who is named after me. And I shout her out every time I'm online anywhere. Uh, she's very she's very socially conscious and aware and probably more mature and able to um, address adult con so, uh, adult subjects. So I would say um, our age range was projected to be kind of like mature teenager um, until dead. Like I think that's <laughs> our, like if you're dead, you probably shouldn't read the book. It will be a challenge. But I, I mean, I'm impressed. Don't let me stop you. Yeah, I'm just going to say it's not impossible, but it's a challenge. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't think, think I don't think oh. kids like little kids. I think would just have a hard time. Uh, even maybe I think most middle schoolers might kind of have a little bit of trouble with some of the themes. Uh, I don't think zero K is maybe a story that a middle schooler might want to read. Um, even Rebels, it's it's cute. It's cute. It's about you know there's a lot of rats fighting. Uh, we have a little a little panel where we I kind of like get personal about these rats and they're wearing like little French Revolution outfits. So that's kind of cute, but there is, you know, there are deeper themes in there that they might not really respond to. You see, this is where I turn to, um, I mean, I've had this conversation with uh, my wife. We were talking about um, stories that you feel may not be suitable. And we've, it, it's certainly in the, the landscape of uh, certainly in America at the moment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that feels that... <sighs> There are there's uh, a couple of films which deal with uh, I'm I'm blanking on the name of it I'm sure the audience will jump in and let me know uh, the uh, um, Denzel Washington uh, Gene Hackman uh, film which deals with race um, and uh, back in the 1940s 1950s. Hunt for, 
It's not hunt for oh. No, it's not. No, no, no. I'm sure. I'm sure Dan's watching, and he, I'm sure he, he, he knows what he's going. But the reason why I bring it up is because um, I'm of the opinion that those films, like Schindler's, Schindler's List, should be shown to ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds, that they should learn that this is the landscape that people are in, and that uh, that lives are being led, and that these are lessons that uh, can be learned. And then it's Caroline that's saying that would just traumatize the hell out of me. Uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, that age, uh, maybe fifteen, maybe sixteen. But um, I, I, I I'm wondering if this is a kind of book that could be an eye opener. It could be that um, the awakening of a, a wider um, world and indeed a, a world view. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I think uh, I think if you want to read it, I could see that argument. And I think this is actually why my my niece and the other kids I know. Um, are so aware. I want to say woke, but I'm like really old. I don't know I if hate, I can yeah, say I that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Am I too exactly old to say woke? Mean. No, exactly uh, what you mean. I mean, I know I look like I'm about twelve, but I'm pushing forty. So uh, I think that if you want to read this book with younger kids, uh, there's actually a lot that you could do. There, <laughs> there is one story. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but read the book first because there is one story you might kind of want to skip over. Um, right. It's the Navy story. Uh, we see a few panels of it. Uh, the, the swearing page panel is part of that story. Um, so read at your own, read at your own uh, discretion. discretion. Well, I didn't want to say peril. No, it's okay. I mean, I think the reason why I brought it up is because um, I'm wondering if this is a, a book also that um, a grown-up could support and back on Kickstarter and then give to a younger uh, reader to kind of expand their worldview, as it were. I want to say, uh, you know, now it sounds like I'm getting commercial, but I'm not. There is a two book level. So if you want to, again, I think that uh, if you read it with a kid, a younger kid, that actually might be something that's okay. But I I don't know that anyone in elementary range is going to get all the stories. Middle school, I think if you read with them, they probably be okay. I read a lot of things I shouldn't have read in middle school, so I might be biased. Yeah. I mean, we've got Into the Blue Mister, and I think this is probably... This is one of the probably the better examples. I think Spiegelman's Mouse should be required reading at schools. You see, that's that's the the kind of thinking, perhaps, I'm going to. But let's return to the actual uh, choice of uh, stories. Yeah, You've got Solicitous Meg saying, since you uh, have stories that are good but couldn't use... Is there room possibility for a volume two down the line? Yes, please. Alex and I, we had a talk <laughs> when we were going through all the stories that we wanted to do. And a few people had to uh, drop out of this book. I I don't want to say who. I don't want to say who because I don't want to make them feel bad. But a few people had to drop out of this book. One person actually got sick, I think, with coronavirus. Or it might have oh, just wow. been a really bad pneumonia. But we have so many other stories we could tell. And, and we're still getting... Every time people look at this book, they're like, oh, my gosh, I have a story. And then they just kind of come out with this just amazing, incredible, hilarious or just like really moving story. We have so many. We could do a book a year and still not run out of good stories. Um, and I I know this because I hang, you know, I I don't I don't look like a traditional veteran, but like I like to do army things still like veteran things still. Uh, it kind of never goes out of your blood. So I still hang out with military people and we could easily write a book every year and not ever run out of really good stories. Fair enough. 
it's safe to say that uh, there's definitely the support there. Uh, I, I turned around and said uh, when I, I tweeted about an hour ago that perhaps while we were on air, we could see you actually crossing the uh, the line uh, for the, uh, the the actual goal. This is in UK, uh, which you can just see, and it's 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 getting there. It absolutely, getting is getting there. there. But then again, twenty seven days to go. I mean, it's just over fifteen thousand pounds. I know it's twenty thousand uh, dollars, um, and it's twelve coming up to twelve and a half thousand pounds. I mean, that's yeah. you must be thrilled to see that there's been this reaction and response um, uh, coming down uh, uh, around around the story. What's been what's been the feedback that you've had on online? Not just necessarily positive either. I mean, what's been the 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 kind of responses you've been getting? So from me, I I have only gotten um, we've gotten one person that I did block. Uh, my DMs are usually right. open because I like to talk to people. Most of the most of the feedback has been really positive. People looking at it and saying, "Hey, wow, that's that's a uh, that's really cool." And then coming in with, immediately with, "Oh, well, my my dad was in the Korean War, or my mom was an Air Force nurse, or uh, someone was saying they had uh, someone who's in the RAF." So. Most of it's been very positive, um, very kind of interested. Uh, I did the one the one comment I did get was kind of a um, do you think this is really the right time to do a war book? Um, isn't that really unethical? Uh, and then a bunch of swear words and invectives, which I won't repeat. And I, I think that person probably would read the book and be surprised uh, that it's not a political book. I don't know. I don't know that a lot of people expect how not political this book is. Because it's not, all... yeah, I'm just going to say that's not what yeah. I've seen from the pages. It's not what it's I've seen so from not. the stories. It's it's about experience. It's it, not about it, a political it, slant, about the, the conflict. It's not about whether uh, America should have gone into the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. It's not about whether they should have gone to Iraq. It's about the people that served there while that conflict was happening, regardless yeah. of the politics back home. It's all like, we were there, okay, so we're there, and then. It's not, why did we have to go there? Did we, uh, there's a story, there is one story, um, Airman Jennings the Impaler, which I love and has some incredible art. Uh, I, I think we're not gonna put any of it in the thing because it's it's such it's such amazing, incredible art. Um, in that, he does actually, Airman Jennings goes through, we have a few re reflective panels where he is trying to deal with the fact that he is suddenly overseas right after 9-11. Um, he's not in an Arabic-speaking country, he's in Okinawa, but you know he's trying to deal with all of his uh, paranoia about what to expect overseas in a completely different setting from where the, anyone related to 9-11 might have been. Um, but I think that's about as political as it gets. He doesn't really have an opinion there. He just kind of mentions, oh, my family is talking to me about this. And also I'm kind of scared. And then. Uh, no, it makes, it makes sense. Um, the film I was trying to think of, by the way, it wasn't Denzel Washington. Yes, Denzel Washington starred in a film with Gene Hackman. This is how my brain works. Uh, it's the Gene Hackman <laughs> film. It's Gene Hackman. It was, um, it was Mississippi Burning was the film oh. I was trying to think of. That I would I not have gotten there. <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> trust me. Um, that that's I feel a, a, a film that could be shown to 15, 14 year olds because it opens up their worldview. But there we go. And I think this is certainly 
a book that can do that like you say not just for the uh for any political slant but about world experience and i think also it, it's because it is incredibly respectful to the military um because i think that's something that perhaps has been a little bit lost um in recent times admittedly on ground level uh, in recent months uh, but the uh, idea of people serving in uniform um i'm a, i'm a i'm a I'm a supporter of that. I'm a supporter of someone who makes that sacrifice and make, puts themselves in that uh, situation at the sacrifice for uh, the greater good. And I think there's the commonality of the stories that I've seen uh, in on the Kickstarter is that um, the Band of Brothers, I'm, I'm going to go with the, uh, the the cliche term, but you I, you get the idea that the, the idea that um, once you serve, there is a you're in that's a, a mindset and a uh, something that you it never leaves you um i have family members that uh, serve in the military and i i definitely see shadows and reflections of what they talk about on the pages that i've seen on the kickstarter i uh, i whew, that's a big one um <laughs> i am a giant nerd I went into the army after 9-11 because someone in my family in whatever country they've lived in has always been in the military um, when there's been a conflict. And uh, my sister Kenzie and I were the two people who were of the appropriate age. She went into the Marines and had just a catastrophic shoulder injury in basic training. Um, she's fighty. She got into a fight with another recruit. <laughs> And they basically stomped on her shoulder. Uh, so I ended up having to go in. And I went in as this nerdy, skinny, I have a lisp in case you haven't noticed, uh, because I used to be deaf when I was a kid. And I went in the dorkiest human on the face of the planet. And I was sure I was going to be in this big group of like rock hard, hua, cool people who were just never going to accept me. And... That's not what happened. Uh, we all went through basic training. We all went through our language school. And as we did all the steps, all of that stupid stuff they do at basic training that seems just absolutely dumb. And all of the ridiculous things you do, baby, you do to baby soldiers when they're bad. Um, baby soldiers like young privates and maybe all the way up to specialists, but usually they've sorted themselves out by then. Uh, all of those ridiculous things that happen to you when you're joining the military that someone from the outside might look at and say, hey, that's hazing, you shouldn't do that. And some of it is, like some units go too far. So let me put that out there. But most of like the little petty dumb stuff, um, that all kind of removes those, those like jock, nerd, cheerleader, whatever labels that we came in with and kind of puts like the private label on you. And then as you go up, you kind of, oh, private, but also a linguist and a linguist. And, oh, now I'm in this unit and now I've been to Iraq and now this is the second time I'm going. And it kind of adds extra labels that you can use to kind of feel like part of a group. I'm still friends with most of the people that I served with. And some of them were just very politically far apart, but they, uh, we just accepted each other. It's not like they accepted me. It's we all accepted each other for the different people that we were. And we kind of just, there's no going back from that. Like once you are part of the military family, you're that military family forever. 
And I know there's a few of them right now who, even if I haven't talked to them for a while, if I were to call them up and say, hey, I'm having a really rough time right now and uh, I need some help. Like they would be just there. Like they would go, okay, what do you need? Let me make some phone calls. Let me send, let me send someone to your house to pick you up. You know, I got a friend who knows a guy who knows a guy who has a bed in this treatment program. We got you. Um, I'm getting a little choked up right now. Don't like that's, that's forever. And sure. for someone who is, uh, for someone who was, I want to say an outcast. I had friends in high school, but I was pretty dorky. For someone to go into a traditionally male and traditionally uh, tough and rough and very, like, very active uh, field and be so strongly accepted like that, I can't tell you what kind of a transformative effect that has on a young uh, woman, which I was, or a young man, I'm assuming. Um, okay. I'm looking at the comments. I see this was. Mm. Um, it's incredible. I, like I, I can't. I can't. I don't. I don't know how to explain it to someone who's never experienced it. It's a whole second family. Even the ones you haven't met, you drop that. Oh yeah, I was in the army. I deployed 04 to 05 and 06 to 08, and they immediately come back with, oh, I was there. Uh, I left in 04, so I think we may have passed each other, and then that's just instantly we're kind of friends. Sure. Uh, I mean, we talked about the response you've had from. Um, well, obviously, Alex has shared the the project, and uh, that they've gotten that audience. Certainly, from uh, the Kickstarter that will have shared it as part of graphic novels and comics. Um, what's the response that you've had um, from those that have served, those that have been in the military? Have you had many people uh, contacting you in that regard? Mostly with stories. Um, the contact that I've gotten has, has almost entirely been, hey, do you have time to put this story in the book? And I just want to like, I made a separate folder in my email for all these people uh, who have approached me with a cool story. And I'm like, I, I really want to listen to that right now, but I don't think we have time to get it in a book. Um, we had uh, a lot of the, a lot of the authors in the book um, everyone everyone wrote their own story. We did kind of have to guide a few of them to put it into a comic format. Um, but like the words are theirs. Like we didn't like, we didn't say, oh, but you probably would have said this. We're like, okay, this is the story you gave me and here's a comic format. What do you think of this? Okay, you want this added. Okay, cool. Um, we desperately, I desperately would love to print just like a, like a thousand page book with all of the stories that we've gotten from veterans. Um, on a smaller um, note, oh. well, I'm, I'm surprised actually. I mean, it's a it's a slightly different campaign uh, to um, some that are out there in that um, you're not dealing necessarily with stretch goals, but it's like you say the, the the profits that are being raised from the Kickstarter and from the the sales of the book are going to charity. Uh, right. So that there's that um, usually with Kickstarters and with stretch goals, it's your you're wanting something in return right. for your investment. In this regard, it's that money that is being raised is going to, uh, that's the what you're getting back. You're getting back that generosity that you've uh, given to uh, the, the charity. And I think that's, um, I think that's um, another, another strong element. Um, this is a really uh, uh, interesting one. This has come from, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, so bear with me. Uh, Muzak, Mom and Deborah. Or Muzak Mom Eight Deborah. Sorry. Um, have you thought about an annual edition? Uh, I would love to. Please back this book well on Z two. Just like, <laughs> look, we we almost funded in three days. Well, absolutely. Please let us do I this mean, every it, year. 
it's it's gone great guns it's done done uh, uh, we, uh, fantastic go on. Uh, we have ideas for like themes like um ah. we had an idea of like oh well this one's going to be the international theme and this one's going to be the uh boot camp stories uh, issue and this is going to be the um you know maybe if there's like a big anniversary of a branch we do like that year's branch or that year's book is all navy and maybe we have like an oops all coast guard you, I was just going to say, you got the Coast Guard edition. We have to put uh, the Coast Guard. To kind of... Uh... Yeah, we'll, do, we'll do two of you guys next book, too. I promise. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Maybe they it's... could get back in the Department of Defense and we'd stop forgetting them. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm stunned, stunned that no one reached out to Tom King. Because if there's somebody that likes to talk about his uh, time and service... Oh, um... man. Can I just tell you, I... I'm a huge Tom King fan. If Tom King was like, hey, I have a great story for this book, too, I will just, like, Alex will have to talk to him because I'll just, like, fall on the floor and just lay there, just staring at the ceiling, thinking about I what my life think, has become. I think an email needs to be sent or a tweet oh. needs to be forwarded in his direction. I'm such a um, fan. There's, yeah. Uh, I think there's if a few. There's, if, there's, if there's somebody who could come up with a story, <laughs> I think it's Tom Oh, King. don't do it to me. <laughs> or do it to me. Oh, um, okay. Excellent. Um, I mean, we, we, I'm going to bring it up one more time because it is just gone great guns. And it's great to uh, see that so many people are connecting with this particular uh, project. Uh, and uh, just, I just want to say congratulations so far. Like I say, it's been live for three days um, and it's, it's very, very close now to uh, being uh, to it's so close but um, it's, still I do... got to, it's, it's still got 27 days to go which means there's plenty of time to take it over the line um uh, if i yeah, could I'm... be i want to be clear about one thing real quick um just because i don't want to mislead anyone uh, kickstarter sure. doesn't actually allow us to donate kickstarter profits so anything we get past our goal will actually go into um both upping the quality of the book like maybe a ribbon bookmark and gotcha. also uh Donate, uh, but also uh, bonuses to our artists. You have seen the names on this book. They're incredible artists, and they worked for us. We paid them. They worked for us. I'm sure they gave us like a pretty good discount. <laughs> um, they we did. They did not pay. They did not charge us what they could command with their talent because they knew that this was a book we were doing for charity. Um, so anything we raise above our goal goes to uh, better quality books and bonuses for artists. Excellent stuff. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, I was a little bit misleading there, but um, yeah, thank you very much indeed for, for clearing I don't that want up. to get us in trouble. No, I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, I, I've, I I don't know if uh, I, I, I have scrolled down from it, uh, but uh, it says there at the top, I am a backer. I am somebody who's supporting oh. this project because um, number one, it looks, I, I actually backed it more for the talent pool. Uh, because uh, the I that's where I came in. Uh, the the people that were involved, I knew then it was going to be a well told, well represented story. But then, as I was discovering more and peeling back the layers of what the, the kernel of this project was all about, that's the reason why I asked if you could come on and talk to us because it is uh, a fascinating project. I really hope it. Uh, well, I, it's going to pass its stretch goal. Come on, it's it's, it's gonna, there. Hopefully, it's, it's going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope <laughs> it continues to go great guns over the the remainder of the uh, the campaign. Kai, thank you so much indeed for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And thanks for having me. Congratulations. I know I'm probably jinxing it at this point, 
that's that's kind of like my thing. I'll say okay. something and then jinx it. So if we uh, don't find, I just come and find you. By all means, uh, if you, yeah, I have no problem <laughs> with that. I, I, and I would totally accept it as well. I totally accept it. But Kai, thank you so much indeed for for coming on. We've got the link there on the screen uh, for Kickstarter.com/projects/z2comics. True War Stories, a comics anthology. But where is the best place for people to follow the project online? Uh, is it Facebook page? Is it a Twitter feed? Where's Where's the best pay, uh, place to uh, send people? You're gonna find the best. Um, you're gonna find the most information at Z2's um, at Z2 Comics on Twitter. Um, we don't have a Facebook page set up for the book, or if we have, no one has emailed it to me. Fair enough. In that case, I just want to say once again, thank you so much indeed for coming on. And uh, congratulations on a really compelling project. And uh, all the best to this and indeed volume two and the rest of the volumes going forward. Fingers crossed. Excellent stuff. Thank okay. you very much indeed for coming on. Excellent. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, do go check out the Kickstarter. It's right there on the uh, the screen on the URL. It's, um, it looks amazing. The stories are personal and compelling and uh, well worth checking out. Excellent stuff indeed. Right, that is our incidental show for today. Um, we've got a couple more. Uh, tomorrow I am going to be doing something a little bit special, something I've not done before. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a live drawing session. Another Kickstarter that um, we're kind of supporting here on Talking.com is John McRae's Mighty World of John McRae Volume 1. Um, basically, he is close to reaching his 30,000 um, stretch goal um, and reaching that line. But what they're wanting to reach is obviously 40,000. Uh, I believe there's 10 days to go and they want to kind of push it over the line. And the way they're going to do that is with a signed print, which is going to be drawn live on this show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. So we're not going to be talking about um, his history. We're not going to be talking about the books that he's done, although we may touch on a couple of those things. But we're more going to be focusing on his process and about the actual artwork that we're going to be putting together that's going to be tomorrow 10 a.m pacific um 1 p.m eastern 6 p.m gmt please do join us for that then on uh sunday we have ourselves Derek robertson who's going to be our first uh, episode interview back on our sunday show and then we've got two special uh, episodes next week. Tuesday, we have ourselves David Papos, who's going to be talking about his Kickstarter. Um, that's a fascinating story uh, called The Oz, or The OZ. If you can imagine The Wizard of Oz meets Metal Gear Solid. Um, it's, again, uh, very much from a, um, a military standpoint. The, uh, the, uh, the Dorothy character in there um, is somebody who has served, who has um, uh, PTSD, who has... Uh, some comes to the the, the first to uh, the beginning of the story with issues, but then is played out as they enter this very um, weaponized version of uh, the Wizard of Oz. Very cool looking project. Looking forward to talking to David about that. That's going to be on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday we have got um, a heavy episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Jeff Trexler is a um, uh, an IP lawyer. Um, he's somebody who knows his way around the comics landscape. He's somebody who knows the players um, and uh, knows everybody in comics. Um, but he has taken on the role as the interim director of this organization, an organization which, at the end of the day, has done great good, but has also had its um, uh, its docket marked by uh, the behavior of not only its uh, director, but also the um, 
the way that uh, its board has um, allowed that still to happen over many years. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking to Jeff about what he feels for the Comic Book Legal Defence Fund moving forward, about the issues that people understandably have about the organisation. We're going to be talking all about that. It's going to be a slightly heavier episode, but it's one an important conversation to have. And that's going to be on uh, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. That's us. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Kai for coming on. And uh, please do support the uh, the the, uh, the Kickstarter because it, it's, a, it's a great book. True War Stories, a comics anthology. From myself, Leonard, do take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. We are, of course, on Sunday, as well as talking to Derek Robertson, uh, we are also going to be talking about... Um, DC fandom and how that's gone. Uh, considering that um, this is their attempt at doing a virtual convention, is it too much in uh, 24 hours? Is it actually enough, considering that a lot of the uh, the programming appears to be the same uh, panels repeated over a uh, six-hour block? We're going to be talking about all of that and uh, talking about uh, my impressions of DC fandom. That's going to be on this Sunday's show, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. From me to you, take care. And we'll see you tomorrow for our live draw with John McCray. See you soon.